Good morning, Journey Church. Welcome. I have a scripture from uh, 2 Corinthians 2 uh, and 14, verse 14. This is out of the uh, uh, Passion Translation. And I hope it blesses you all. God always makes his grace visible in Christ, who includes us as his partners of his endless triumph. Through our yielded lives, he spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of God everywhere we go. Father God, we just come before you today. We just ask that you manifest your fragrance in here amongst all of us, Lord God, and we, we experience a touch from you, each and every one of us today, Lord, and show us your favor your peace and your joy on each of your, each one of us here, all your people, Lord. Bless them, we pray in Jesus' name, and bless the worship. Amen. Let's stand as we worship this morning. breaks the power of sin and darkness whose love is mighty so much stronger the king of glory the king above all kings who shakes the whole earth with holy thunder who leaves us breathless in awe and wonder the king of glory the King above all kings. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You lay down your life. That I would be set free. As I sing for all that you've done for me. Who brings the chaos? Who brings our chaos back into order? Who makes the orphan a son and daughter? The King of glory, the King of glory, who rules the nations. 
with truth and justice shines like the sun in all of its brilliance the king of glory the king above all this is amazing grace this is unfailing love that you would take my place you would bear my cross you lay down your life that i would be set free oh jesus i sing all that you've done for me Worthy is the Lamb who was slain Worthy is the King who conquered the grave Worthy is the Lamb who was slain Worthy is the King who conquered the grave Worthy is the Lamb who was slain Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy, worthy, worthy. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. You would bear my cross. You lay down your life that I would be set free. Oh, Jesus, I sing for all that you've done for me. Setting sun, 
His love endures forever. By the grace of God, we will carry on. His love endures forever. Sing praise. Sing praise. Sing praise. Sing praise. Sing praise. Forever God is faithful. Forever God is strong. Forever God is with us. Forever. Forever God is faithful. Forever God is strong. Forever God is with us. Forever and ever. Sing praise, sing praise, sing praise, sing praise, sing praise. Oh Lord, we sing praise, sing praise, we sing praise. Sing praise. Forever God is faithful. Forever God is strong. Forever God is with us. Forever. Sing that again. Forever God our faith. Forever you are strong. Forever you are strong. Forever you are with us, forever and ever, forever and ever. Sing praise. you Lord God thank you for what you're doing in our lives and what you want to do in our lives God but he lost you cannot be stopped 
over the grave. Sing hallelujah, battle is won. Nothing can stand against our God. Hallelujah, Lord. Father, this morning we just come to you and bring every concern and every worry, God. Everything that's coming against us, Lord, we bring to you, Lord Jesus. And we thank you that nothing can stop our God. You are mighty to save, God. You are great in every circumstance, God. And in you, we are more than conquerors, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. of all love songs I want to bring to you So I'll let my word be fused Jesus I am so in love with you So I stand 
Lord, it is your voice, Lord, that commands the morning, even oceans and their waves bow at your feet. Lord, who am I compared to your glory? my beloved and he is mine he calls you he calls me his beloved God thank you for your love your love oh Lord it does it reaches to the heavens greater love has no man than this than man lay down his life for a friend and we thank you Lord that you no longer call us servants, but you call us friends. Jesus, you laid your life down for me. I did nothing to earn it, to deserve it. But how great the Father's love is for me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God, for that unending love. That love that's deeper than the ocean. Thank you, Lord. 
for loving us like you do. Amen. 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 Tell your neighbor that the Lord loves them and so do you. The first announcement is that Jesse is not here. <laughs> so I should say, hello, everyone. Good morning. <laughs> Good morning, Journey Church. Amen. Amen. That's right. Would you finish that for him? <laughs> Right, amen. Yeah, if, if you are visiting this morning, um, in the front pockets before you, there's a couple of things that are, are there for you. Um, there's a visitor's card. would love to connect with you, get to know you a little bit. If you fill one of those uh, out, um, we get just another way to get uh, connected with you. Um, also in the front pockets are uh, praise reports and prayer requests. Um, we'd love to be praying with you about anything you have. You can fill those out, drop them in the box, drop them in the offering. You can also get prayer requests, uh, prayer um, online. There is, an, uh, there is a part on our, our website, website for prayer requests. If you fill that out, we have a team that receives those also and prays. So, um, you know, fill those out. Also, I encourage you to put praise reports. So we, we
pray, uh, prayer requests all the time. We don't always get the reports, and sometimes we're praying for things, you know. I mean, like still, you know, for, for 18 years now, we've been praying for this one lady who is having a, a pregnancy, and we're hoping for a good birth, <laughs> and we're still praying for that, hoping it happened. If not, there's some miserable lady somewhere going, will I ever give birth? But no, but we want to hear some of these praise reports, so, so let us know what those might be as well, would you? Um, and we, speaking of births, we have a birth to announce. We have a, a grand son of Kenny. Aww. Hudson Kenneth Hucklebridge. And, and if there's ever a name that sounds like there should be like a third at the end of that, you know, wouldn't that just be, anyways, Hudson Kenneth Hucklebridge was born. Mom and baby are both well and healthy. And, uh, and if you want to see pictures, you know, Grandpa Kenny has them. Uh, on his phone, uh, eight pounds and six ounces. So nice. It's a keeper. It's a keeper. You know, sometimes they're so little we gotta put them back. But you know, Samuel was ten pounds, I believe. Um, Shannon wanted to name him Ouch, uh, but we we decided on Samuel. But. Yeah, so, so eight, pounds is, eight pounds is a good, good sized baby, though, amen? And uh, so, hey, next Sunday after church, we are having our annual business meeting. Uh, by now, all of the members um, last week or a couple weeks ago uh, got the, the paperwork out here or got mailed to you. If you got it and then left it or threw it away, that's your loss, I guess. Um, you can get another one next week, but it has the budget. Um, this, the upcoming proposed budget, as well as last year's financials. Um, it is a, me a membership meeting. It's pretty, you know, kind of mandatory. We need to get a quorum at least in there. But you're welcome to come and uh, listen. If you are not a member, you, you're welcome to come. You just can't uh, vote or anything like that. So um, that is right after church. We are doing lunch. We're doing soup and salad and bread. And so we'll, we'll start that as soon as church is over. Um, we'll get all those things going so we can get our meeting going by 11.45, 12 o'clock at the latest and, and see if we can have any record-breaking meetings. Um, you know, we, it, it's a great, uh, great time to hear what's going on. We'll hear reports from leaders, um, find out what's happening in the church. One of the things I've heard, I've never actually witnessed this in any of the churches that I've been, mostly I've been at this church, is, you know, there's never any fights. Um, and I say that kind of jokingly, but... I've heard, I've actually literally heard that at some church meetings, there has been fist fights over issues, uh, how those things could, but, but we love each other. It's just, a, it's a great time, but it's an opportunity for you to hear what's going on with the finances, other things to participate, to hear a little bit of vision for the coming year. So please put that on your um, calendar to come in person, if possible, if you're watching online and you cannot make it, you cannot make it in person, uh, we will do a Zoom. So you need to connect with me this week uh, so we can get you um, in, so you can log in and, uh, and uh, be part of that, and we can count your vote as well. So I think that is it with that. Um, we are going to receive our, our tithes and offerings this morning. And, um, you know, we, we use the word uh, receive, um, tithes and offerings, and... Um, the scriptures teach us that to bring your tithe and offering to the house of the Lord. And it's interesting, there's this teaching here, I'm not going to go on long about it, but 
in, in Habakkuk, it says to bring your tithes to the storehouse. It doesn't say give your tithes at the storehouse. And here's the reason. They're not yours. You cannot give something that doesn't belong to you. See, the, the Bible teaches us very clearly that the first part of everything that he gives us is his. And so all we're doing is we're bringing it to him. So that's what we do as, 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 uh, as believers. We believe in it. It's a, it's a principle of life um, that, we, that a lot of Christians um, practice. We practice it in our household. Uh, we just bring him, and he blesses and, and uh, provides for us. We are walking miracles, my family, of God's provision. Um, it, there's been times in our life, uh, you know, you, you know that old phrase that says, um, oh, it just, just left me. Um, you're trying to make ends meet. You know, you ever been in that life? Where I'm just trying to make ends meet. There were a lot of times in my family's life, we weren't hoping that ends would meet. We were hoping they'd get close enough to wave at each other. <laughs> Like, you know, it was just really, really tight. And, and God has always provided for us. Uh, he has not always provided when I wanted him to. He is, uh, as I've said, he's missed a lot of opportunities to be early, but he's never been late. And so we just give by faith. And so let's pray over that. Um, and, and even pray for yourself this morning. If you're having a hard time going, I just don't know about this, you pray. You just say, Lord, help me with that. And, and you give according to what God has put in your heart, what you've intended to give, and give cheerfully unto him. If you can't give cheerfully, then, then don't give. You know, I, I, I've, I've joked around saying, you know, God loves a cheerful giver, but he'll take a grumpy one too. Um, but, uh, but, you know, just give as the Lord has put upon your heart, and just be faithful to him in that. But you can say, Lord, increase my faith, and maybe as he does that in the future, you can step into that. Uh, that promise as well. Father, we thank you for your provision and your love, your care for us this morning. As we give, as we, um, as we give into the offering, as we bring our tithes to you, Lord, we, we ask that you would continue to provide for us miraculously as you have in the past. Lord, uh, even manna from heaven and quail, Lord, uh, we just ask that you would provide. Bless this, uh, this offering, Lord, as we continue to desire to see the kingdom of God advanced in this place, in this, in this city, Lord, in this state, in this nation, we thank you that as we give, you will advance the kingdom in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. 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 Am I missing any announcements? Can you think of anything? I think we got most of them. Um, I guess not. I think we're going to have some snow this week, so be prepared for that. I heard a lot, unless it's changed. I heard a, there's, a, there's a, a period of 24 straight hours that we're supposed to get snow for, like 24 straight hours. So if you didn't know that, you could check the weather, of course. Be, re be ready, church. You know, we live in the mountains. We want you to be ready for that as that comes this week. And if anyone needs help with something during the storm, any widows, um, you've got the Helping Hands line call, and, and we'll see what we can do. Amen. I need my Bible.
you have your Bible this morning, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. If you don't have a Bible, there are some Bibles in the back. Um, you're welcome to get one. You can uh, also, if you have a smartphone and do not have a Bible on your phone, I strongly encourage you to have a Bible on your phone. Uh, you, you know, sometimes it's it's hard to bring one of these things out with you wherever you go, but I don't know too many people who leave home without their phone. And so it's great to have a Bible on your phone. There's some great apps out there. Uh, one of the ones I definitely like is version. It's got lots of Bibles, but it also has some great devotions in it. We should be people of the Word. You know, for, for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, believers did not have a Bible. And, and now we have, I don't know, yeah, hundreds on, you know, on your phone. And uh, I even have a, uh, you know, I've got you know, Spanish Bibles that I read sometimes because sometimes I like the way they translate verses. So um, we have all this, but do we know the Bible? They used to have to memorize it. If you wanted to remember the Bible, you have to memorize it from listening to it being read to you. And... Now we have the Bible, and do we know it? So I want to encourage you, get your Bible, read it often, read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll grow. It's one of the Bible time songs I learned as a kid. Does anyone knew that? Does anyone remember that song? <laughs> read your Bible and pray every day, and you'll grow, grow, grow. <laughs> Woo! Yeah, that's right. Don't read your Bible. Yeah, neglect your Bible, and you'll shrink, shrink, shrink. <laughs> Man, that's good stuff in there, wasn't that? Amen. Hopefully they're learning that stuff next door with those kids. Be praying for our kids too. First Corinthians 10, um, we are, are going to finish up the chapter this morning. And these last three chapters, uh, 8, 9, and 10, have been talking really off and on about one um, topic, and it's been woven in and out, and that's the freedom that we have in Christ um, compared to legalism, but really the, the point was eating meat sacrificed to idols and whether or not uh, we could do that. And we've, we've read that and we've studied that and learned uh, that, that it's deeper than just eating meat, but we've learned some principles that even though it might be permissible, it might not be beneficial, that we should be uh, care, concerned about how other people um, feel and believe and we don't want to do anything to stumble. We're going to continue in that vein this morning, and specifically, I want to, we're going to do from 23 through 11, 1. 23 through 11, 1, but really we're going to focus in, the main part of this message this morning is 1 Corinthians 10, 31. Mick, would you just pray for the time in the Word this morning? Amen. Let's go ahead and read this, this section, starting in verse 23. All things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. Let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. Eat whatever is sold in the meat market without raising any question on the ground of conscience. For the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. If any one of the unbelievers invites you to dinner and you are disposed to go... 
eat whatever is set before you without raising any question on the ground of conscience. But if someone says to you, this has been offered in sacrifice, then don't eat it for the sake of the one who informed you and for the sake of conscience. I don't mean your conscience, but his. For why should my liberty be determined by someone else's conscience? If I partake with thankfulness, why am I denounced because of that for which I give thanks? So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Give no offense to Jews or to Greeks or to the church of God. Just as I try to please everyone in everything I do, not seeking my own advantage, but that of many, that they may be saved." And, and, uh, and then chapter 11, we'll, we'll get into in just a minute. Um, so that's 10.23 through the end of, of chapter 10. This is, this is, we've been hearing these similar things being taught by the Apostle Paul to the church at Corinth, that all things are permissible, all things are okay to do, but not everything is beneficial, not things, in, the, in these verses he says, not all things are helpful, and not all things build up, and he takes a couple different approaches to it, but he, in verse 31, he kind of sums it up with this. So, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. That is a powerful and wonderful scripture for us. It'd be one of those to memorize. Whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. You could make it something personal in your life that you might make it a question. Is what I am doing able to give glory to God? Glory to God, that's the purpose that we have. So the question is, is what is God's glory? It says, whatever you do, do it to the glory of God. And so as I was preparing and praying and studying, there's a lot of ways to go with this message, but I really thought, well, in order to understand it, we need to understand a little bit about what is God's glory. The word in the Greek is doxa. And if you've come from a, a traditional background, you, you, you've heard that word, doxology. Doxology. It's, it's talking about bringing glory and showing Him glory. Um, and, and the word doxa itself in, in Greek comes from another word that's almost the same that means to show. To show. It's, it's really a simple premise if we think about it. It means to show. So what, can, can, what is this word glory? It's translated not just glory. In the New Testament, the Old Testament has is, is got its, its own word, it's kabod. In the New Testament, um, primarily it's doxa. And when translators translate, sometimes they feel a, one word fits a little bit better than another word. So they, they change the word in English or in Spanish, whatever version they're translating into from Greek. Um, so there's been there's a lot of times the majority of them when the when they came across the word doxa in the Greek they said glory but there's a few other times they said that's not explaining it well enough so here we're gonna we're gonna use the word praise praise is a little closer to the understanding of this verse or worship it was translated as worship or praise um, it was uh, translated as honor in a couple of places and if if you go how does that work it happens in our languages to other languages all the time, all the time. Uh, there's sometimes one word in one language translates two, three, four, five different words in a different 
language depending on its context. If you speak two languages, you can think of uh, some examples where that is. One that I use commonly is in Spanish. They, they use, there's a word esperar. Esperar means to wait, but it also means to hope. And, and, and if, you, if, if a Spanish speaker says esperar, we, we go, a lot of times we'll say, oh yeah, that's wait. But it's also to hope. So you have to listen to the, what the rest of the, the, the sentence sounds like because you might be out there esperando the bus. And, and you're, you're waiting for it. But there's a little bit of hope in there, too, that it's going to come. But you're like, I hope a bus comes eventually. No, it's you're waiting for it. So, so the same thing in languages happens in the Greek. So uh, doxa often is, is glory. But sometimes we go, I don't even know if I understand what glory is. I don't know if you ever read the Bible and you, there, we have Christian words. Sometimes it's Christianese, and we just have these words. Hallelujah! I don't even know. That's just a filler word sometimes for Christians. What does it really mean? It's, you know, Hosanna. What does that mean? Well, glory, we can just get used to saying it. So let's break it down a little bit and, and try to help us understand uh, what this means here and, and what it can mean in our life. Um, in the, in the scriptures, when you look up the, the word doxa uh, in different places, it, it appears a lot in, in the New Testament. Um, the most often it appears actually is in the book of 2 Corinthians. Um, but, uh, but there's scriptures where it says that you can see the Son of Man coming in glory. You've heard that. He's coming in glory. In the scriptures, you can give glory. You can see glory. You can come in glory. Solomon had glory. You can seek your own glory. You can fall short of the glory. You know, so, so what is it? Sometimes we think it's just one thing. It's a little bit more complex than just one thing. Glory is, is so closely connected in many of these signs to the word show. In fact, we use the word glory in everyday language sometimes or glorious. Oh, we had a glorious time. The sunrise this morning was glorious. You go, well, what, is, what does that mean? Well, it, it, I saw it, and it showed something, didn't it? Glorious. It's something you see that kind of describes itself when you don't have other words to use. But if you had to come up with words, you'd say, well, it was, it was majestic, and it was beautiful, and it was, it was maybe it was, there was enough warmth in the air from the sun, but the, the air was cool, and all that can be, it was such a glorious morning. So when you think that God has glory, what does that mean? Well, he's majestic. He's beautiful. He brings warmth, right? So, so glory is, is something that's describing God. When you, when you think of God being glorious, you will say, so what is that? It is wrapped up, the word glory and glorious is wrapped up in who he is. It's not just what he looks like, but it really, his glory comes from who he is. In Exodus chapter 33, Moses, go ahead and turn there if you've got your Bible. Exodus uh, chapter 33, Moses is having a conversation with God. 
which sometimes we go, man, that's just awesome that Moses talked with God. Guess what? You can too. You can just talk with God. And Moses says something to, to God in Exodus uh, chapter 33, in verse 18. This is a, a um, I think it's a good verse to memorize just part of it and make it a prayer. Moses says to God, show me your glory. Show me your glory. And you think, wow, we don't even, what's glory? We've got to understand what, what he's talking about and what that would look like for God to show his glory. His glory is wrapped up in who he is, and his glory comes out from what he does, which comes out from who he is. It's not just about what God does that makes him glorious. What he does is a byproduct of who he is, and all of it is glorious. So, in verse 18, he says, show me your glory. And so God says in 19, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. And I'll be gracious to whom I'll be gracious, and I'll show mercy on whom I'll show mercy. But you cannot see my face, for man shall not see me and live. And the Lord said, Behold, there's a place by me where you shall stand on the rock, and while my glory passes by, I'll put you in a cleft of the rock, and I'll cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I'll take away my hand, and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. And then we see a couple verses about getting the tablets ready for the Ten Commandments. In picking up in verse 5 in chapter 34. The Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. Remember, he says, I'm going to pass by and proclaim my name. Now he's doing it. And, and just at his passing by and proclaiming his name, the Lord passed before him and proclaimed. Listen to this. The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. Moses quickly bowed his head toward the earth and worshiped the glory of God. Moses says, show me your glory. God proclaims his name and these attributes, which I have to point out was just God's backside. You cannot see my face and live. I'm going to cover your eyes and you, I'm going to pass by you. After I've passed by you, I'm going to let you see me. Moses looked at the backside of God and he saw all that. Can you imagine what his front side looks like? God is glorious because of who he is. His nature, his character, his power, his love, merciful, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. Not just love, steadfast love, the love that doesn't change. 
He's faithful. He, keep, he keeps that steadfast love for thousands, and he forgives iniquity and transgression. Then it goes on, and there's a part that we don't like. But who will, right? I mean, come on, let's just be honest. We don't like this part. Like, like God is just all fluffy and lovely and good, and, but he's also holy, and he says, but, will, but who will by no means clear the guilty. Actually, you like that. You like that. He doesn't let people get off that don't deserve to get off, and nobody gets to, deserves to get off unless they're in Christ. He actually is the one who you can trust for all of your vengeance needs, too. What? You know, God says, vengeance is mine. I will repay. Now, there's a little offshoot of this real quick. If there was somebody who had something coming to them, who would you like to bring that? You or God? I think God can do a much better job. So if you've been hurt, you give it to the Lord. See, we think that when we, get, when we forgive people that God just says, okay, they're, they're off scot-free. The scriptures say no. He'll repay. Now, how he does it is up to him because he's holy and he's just. Now, all of us deserve death. Every one of us. We deserve hell. We've sinned. The Bible says if you look at a woman to lust with her, you've committed adultery in your heart. So we're adulterers. If you're angry with a brother, it's like murder. So we're murderers. We've all lied, so we're liars. We've all stolen something, so we're thieves. It's not looking too good for us. But in Christ, we're forgiven. In Christ, we're forgiven. He will keep justice, though. He doesn't clear the guilty. He only declares people innocent if they've received the forgiveness of sins. He visits the iniquity of fathers and children. And Moses says, wow. Wow. That's, that's another word for glory, isn't it? When you see something that's glorious, what's the word you say? Wow. Wow. And, and you know the word awesome? Don't you love that? I heard that. It, it, isn't awesome an awesome word? You know, you know what awesome is? That's what awesome is. It's like, it's kind of speechless, like, uh, we could, awesome, wowsome. Wowsome doesn't sound as nice, but wowsome. Wow. Wow. That's glory. That's glorious. That's what God is. He's wow. He's, ah, uh, he's awesome. He's marvelous. He's forgiving, and he's strong, and he's He's just and he's merciful and he has this love and he's who he is is wrapped up in or what he does is wrapped up in who he is. And that's his glory. So the scripture is a big scripture because it says in everything you do, do to the glory of God. Do it to the glory of God. Now, there, there are some verses in the Bible that 
it seems to me, can be taken out uh, completely out of the context. And we talk about that a lot. Be careful to take just one verse out of context because you might miss the context. Um, but you can, take, you can take right out of the context and look at itself, look at it by itself, and you can understand it, you can interpret it, you can preach it, and it will be the same as when you look at it right in the context. And this is one of those scriptures, I think. In, in the context, it feels the same as if you just take this verse out and talk about it because it's very simple. He's talking about if, if you're going to have meat that's been sacrificed to idols, if you're going to do that, you just here's the litmus test. Can you do it to the glory of God? Do it to the glory of God. In everything you do, do it to the glory of God. I wanted to see if there was any other translations of this verse, and there aren't. Not really. If you look up version after version of this one scripture, it almost says word for word, do everything to the glory of God. So it's pretty straightforward. I looked it up in the Greek. And my limited understanding of the Greek, looked at all the words and all the placement, it pretty much says everything do to the glory of God. It actually says everything to the glory of God do in Greek. Because it's backwards a little bit. This is that scripture. You pull it out and you go, this is, all, this is what it's saying. So can you give God glory? in the things that you're doing. Now, what does that mean, giving God glory? Can you give God value or give Him worth? No. So it's not talking about that you do something that elevates His worth even more. He has glory. He is glorious in himself. He has all the value and worth in himself. I can't add to it. It's just like I, I can't really give him money. It belongs to him. If, if I bring an offering or a gift to him, it's not like he goes, oh, good, I needed 10 bucks. Now I got $10 more. Right? He has it all already. So when we give him glory, we're not adding to his glory one bit. The word glory means show. Show. So when you're giving glory, what you're really doing is you're showing who God is through what you're doing. In everything you do, can you show who God is? And, and Paul's saying this, in everything you do, show Him. It makes it real personal that we can bring God, it, it, God is in every situation, and we can realize that everything that we're doing, there's an opportunity to show God who God is. We see who He is as He's revealed Himself to us. We call it glory because He is glorious. He's wow. Wow. So whatever you do, do it all to show off who God is, to reveal. I like the word reveal. He's revealing himself to us, how amazing God is, so that we can help people see his wow factor. That's what we're doing to show God's glory. 
you are helping people to see the wow factor of God in everything that you do. How can we do that? I think there's a lot of things we can do to show off God. You know, we can get to the place that we want to show him off. Can we get to the place that we're inspired to do that? There's a pastor, Andy Davis. I like his approach. In, In all my studying this week, I came across this, and it really helped me. And so I'm going to borrow some of what he said um, in this. And he says, we need to ask three questions, three types of questions in order to help show off the glory of God. These questions help in a lot of places in our life. They keep us focused. They help us to make the main thing the main thing. Have you ever had a problem in your life and you're like, you know, I, I keep forgetting to keep the main thing the main thing. That's so important for us. These questions, they're deep. They're anchor type of questions, and they help keep us focused. And there's three different questions, the types of questions. The one is, one is the questions of origin. Where does everything come from? This is a question we should keep in our mind uh, and be ready with others. Where does everything come from? Why is there something rather than nothing? Sounds philosophical. How did I come to exist in this world that I see with my eyes? How did I come to exist? Second type of question is this, a question of purpose, a question of origin, a question of purpose. Why did everything come into being? Why did it come into being? Why do I exist? And what's my purpose in life? And the third type of question is a question of destination. Where is all of this headed? This earth, this life, everything, where is it, where is it going? What's our destination? What's my destination in particular? Everyone Everyone has to face these three questions. Helping people who don't know Christ answer these questions will help them to know who God is. Socrates, in about 399 B.C., during his trial for his life, said this statement. Some of you have heard this. The unexamined life is not worth living. The unexamined life is not worth living. And what he meant, I think, is simply that to just exist and never face deeper questions is worthless. Some people might say, you know, I'm just just really not that deep. I encourage you to get a little deeper because these questions will help you in your life. They'll help you to focus on the things that need to be focused on and to live the kind of life that you were designed to live. A couple of years ago, through, as a church, we went through the book Purpose Driven Life. If you've never gone through that, I encourage you to go through it because it helps us to connect that God has really given us five purposes to live. And if we try to remember that we're not just happenstance, we're not just floating around and 
wandering aimlessly, which unfortunately a lot of people do. They just wander aimlessly. It gives us purpose. A lot of people, they just live for one purpose, and that's to feed their flesh, to just be pleased, to be happy, just, just about me. It, it looks really different in a lot of people. It comes out looking very differently, but for most people in this world, it's really about just me serving me. How is this going to make me feel better? They even pick their spouse, their partner, on how they make me feel. I like them because they make me feel good. They make me feel better about myself. In scriptures, Philippians says that their God is their stomach. We're just going after the things that we like. We live for immediate gratification. We need it now, now, now. Give it to me. You know, it's changing, getting worse and worse in, in society. People used to have goals long-term, and they'd try to live for those goals. And I remember in, in yesteryear, people, the older generation, they would work hard their whole life, not taking many vacations, hoping that at the end of their work career, maybe then they could get a trailer or do a little traveling at their end of their career. Now look around. People are buying their boats and their trailers and they're at 25 and 30 years old. We want it now. We're not waiting for anything. Give it to me. And I don't even want to work for my thing now. I want a passive income because I just want everything right now. Give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. And in case you're going, man, I'm feeling a little guilty, I am too. Part of that is because people, sometimes us, as people, we're not asking the questions about our destiny and, and our purpose here in life and where did this all come from and what am I here for and where am I going? And if I keep those things back into perspective, it's going to help me to, to live an, a, a, a different life. I would say it's a better life. I know that when I'm connecting to those things, I have purpose. I have real hope. I have life. When I'm not, I'm, I feel like I'm running the treadmill of life. does look different on different types of people, doesn't it? Some young people, uh, social media is bad for all of us. It can be bad for all of us. Um, our computers, and we get sucked into these things. I, I, I want it now. Do you guys, some of you actually remember writing a letter. Do you remember communicating with people by letters? You write a letter, and you mail it. And then you think, man, how long is it going to take to get there? And you calculate it in your head, and you're like, yeah. Sometimes you're like, yeah, it's probably going to be about a week to get to New York, you know, the other side of the country or something. And then they got to get it, and they got to write it back, and then they got to mail it back. And, and you might wait two weeks to get an answer for your, for your letter. Does any, who remembers that? Did, and who, who even remembers, like, thinking, like, oh, man, I wonder if they got it today. Okay, I hope they got it today. And you're waiting for it now. Okay, now, who has ever written an email? sent it, went away and did something, and went back and checked to see if you got a reply? Yeah. And who's ever felt really dumb for doing that? Like, 
I can't believe I'm already looking for a reply. And I'll raise my hand again. And I've looked for that same reply 10 or 12 times in the same day. I want it now. It's part of that thing of just feeding that desire and that need for whatever, everything right now. The, the scriptures say, let us eat and drink for tomorrow we die. Saying this is, this is not the, the way to live. We don't have a long time in this world, so we got to get all the pleasure we can before we die. He who dies with the most toys wins. Do you remember that one? A few years back. So we don't want to live just for our sensual pleasure. We don't want to be like in, in Peter talking about, they're like brute beasts, creatures of instinct, uh, born only to be caught and destroyed like beasts, they too will perish. We don't want to live like that, but, but that's that human nature that really isn't that far off from animal nature. We want to live with purpose, and we want to live a life that actually can bring God glory, and feeding our flesh and feeding ourself doesn't do that very well. So, question of origin. Where'd we come from? Genesis 1.1. Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. We, we, we as believers start with that as our premise that in the beginning, our, our beginning was God. He's the one that started this whole thing. It keeps, into, into, uh, it keeps him as the main thing because he's the creator of it all. And so before we get too far down the road and losing sight of things, we need to say, man, if he created it, maybe we should ask him what it's here for. In my desk, I should have brought it down. I, I didn't think about it until right now. I, many years ago, I, I ordered some different um, things, uh, some musical. Uh, it was uh, some uh, guitar strings and things like that. And in the package was this round little tool thing, just around like that, and it didn't, no buttons on, on the edges, and I'm looking at it, I'm like, I didn't know it is, and I look at the bottom, it was kind of flat on one edge, and there was a, a little bit of a push button thing, and when you pushed it, a little razor blade thing popped, was there, just a little tiny corner of a razor blade, and I'm like, this is really weird. I mean, I tried to figure out what that was for like a week. I'm going... I thought, I can't tune, my, you can't tune my tuners with it. You know, it, it was almost the right size to fit over that, but it didn't push in far enough. There's a razor in there. I'm like, well, that's dumb. And I'm like, I, I can't cut the strings with it. And I couldn't figure it out. And so I, 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 so I think it was somebody actually told me. They said, oh, no, I, I had one of these. And he grabbed it, and he took a CD, a brand new CD. Do you remember the CDs? No. They were those things after tapes. <laughs> and he put it, and the little groove, the little push button thing fit perfectly over the width of a CD. And he went like this, and the plastic cut. And I opened up my CD wrapper. <laughs> now, most of us opened up our CD wrappers like this. 
right? You tore the little tiny piece of plastic. The person who showed me what that was for knew because he knew what it was designed for. So he used it the right way. See, if you want to be used the right way, you need to know your design. You need to know your designer. God designed you. Wondering what you're here for? Talk to the designer. How can you give glory to the designer if you're not connected to understanding your design to show forth that? Psalm 8.3 says, When I consider your heavens the work of your fingers. He's a skilled craftsman. He made all of this so glorious. He says, The moon and the stars, you've set them in place. God created it all. And we know that Jeremiah says that he knit each of us together in our mother's womb. Psalm 139 says, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together also in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. The point of origin is God. He created it all. You're not an accident. You're not just here randomly. How sad for people who believe that. I'm just, just random. Also, how ignorant. I mean, this world is way too complex to just be here. I mean, you, you go out into, the, in, 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 into your garden, you have two things that look kind of similar that growing out of your, your dirt and leaves, and you don't know which is which. One you pull up, and it's got this white, weedy root on it, and it's nothing. And the other you pull up, and it's got a carrot on it. And it just happened. It just happened. If, if, we, if, if fruits and vegetables don't just happen, then how much less do we just happen? So if, if we didn't just happen, if God is our origin, if He created this, then what's our purpose? Why did make God make everything? It's consistent in the Bible. He did it actually for His own glory to show forth who He is. And He doesn't have an ego, but He creates forth the heavens declare, the Bible says in Psalm 19, the glory of God. The heavens declare His glory. And don't when we look up to the heavens, doesn't it, we just go, wow. Wow. This is amazing. I love Big Bear Nights. And they just declare, they show forth His glory. There it is, that showing. They, it's just like God saying, I'm going to create all this, and it's going to show my glory. It's going to show who I am. He didn't create the universe just uh, out of emptiness because uh, he's lonely. He wanted to give himself to us. He creates the universe and he creates us in this universe and shows himself to us. He reveals himself to nature. Even Romans says that people are without excuse in this world. There is no excuse to not believe in God because nature declares the glory of God. And then in Genesis 1.27, after we know he created everything, he said, what's, what's our purpose in life? Well, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. We were created in the image of God. God is this amazing artist who repeated his glorious masterpiece of himself seven billion times. And you're one of them. He created these works of art to show forth his glory, and he created in you, Rosalind. 
You are the glory of God. You're the glory of God. He created you in His image. What's your purpose? To show forth His glory. Even redeeming us, he does it for his glory. Isaiah 43 says, Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth, everyone who is called by my name, who I created for my glory, whom I formed and I made. He created us to show his glory, and he wants to be in right relationship with him. We are displayers of the glory of God in our life. He also wants us to enjoy it. Enjoy him and and taste of the glory of God. And he, he wants us to be students of the glory of God. In Isaiah, there's a picture of the, the angels crying out to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. And holy, holy, God is holy, God is glorious. And he's showing us his glory. And in Habakkuk, it says that the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And one of his purposes in our life, in our life, our purpose is to show forth the glory of God. He showed it, and our purpose is to show his glory in life. Now, we know that we have sin and we've fallen into sin and, and that, that we struggle in sin and because of that, Romans 3 says, we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We don't measure up to his goodness, but we have read the Bible. We know that somehow he does this thing where he says, listen, you're not good enough. If you read the Bible, that's kind of the message. You're not good enough. The sacrifices in the Old Testament and the, the laws in the Old Testament was all about do this perfectly. And nobody ever could. And so he sent Jesus to say, I, I really was just proving to you that you couldn't do this. I am the perfect sacrifice. In, in, in Jeremiah, he says, I am God's righteousness for you. The Lord, he is righteous, and he is righteousness for us. So we fall short of the glory of God, but he is the glory of God. He is God. And so we in ourselves can't display God's glory because we're corrupt. But in Christ, it says that when he looks at us, he remembers our sin no more in him. When we've asked forgiveness, he removes our sin and we become the righteousness of Christ. In Hebrews 1, it says that the Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. He put, Jesus put God on display. And just jumping to 11.1 real quick, we'll come back. He says, and we're going to do the same, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Paul imitated Christ. We imitate Paul. We imitate Christ. We display God's glory to the earth, not because of something that we can do, but because who he is in us. 
2 Corinthians 4, 6 says, For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. That's our purpose. To show forth God's goodness, God's glory in everything that we do. Whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. I'm going to have to hit this one quick and sum this up. The third type of question is destination. Where is all this headed? Where is all this headed? Can we simply say we're headed to glory? We're headed to glory. This earth soon will pass away. And as wow as this earth is, the Bible says that when Christ left, he went to prepare a place for us. The new earth, the new heaven will be more glorious than this place. It's so glorious that the writer of Revelation has so many different pictures of the glory of of God in the place. It's so bright and glorious that there's no need for the sun or the moon, the scriptures teach us, but that the glory of Christ is the light. Our destination is heaven. It's to be with Christ forever and ever on this new amazing earth, and we were all headed for glory. There's that old, old song, I've got a home in glory land that outshines the sun. The small amount of glory that we express now is just a tiny picture of the glory that's to come. And one of the biggest parts of glory to come is the bride of Christ. Redeemed, forgiven, white as snow. White as snow, glorious. Revelation 21 says, Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. In all the glories of, of heaven, says, Come, I will show you the bride of Christ. The purpose, to show God's glory, the destination, we're going to heaven. God created us all. Our purpose is to glorify Him and to show forth His glory in our lives, to just reflect, if we can, all of His goodness because heaven is waiting for us. The church is going to be amazing. Scriptures say, He carried me away in the Spirit to a mountain great and high, and He showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, and it shone with the glory of God, and its brilliance was like that of a very precious jewel. So, whatever we do today, it won't be wasted. Whatever we do today is to just show forth the glory of God. How can we do that? We live for him and not for us. There's a couple of quick points. I'm, I know I'm going long. The scriptures here at the end of Corinthians give us a couple of things. 
that, that show us some ways to show the glory of God. Verse 23 says, all things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. I'm going to steal these, these points, these couple of these points from John MacArthur because I love the way he does his headings. Simply put, edification above gratification. See, we're all about that gratification thing, right? I, I want the food. The food looks really good. This food sacrifice to idols, it just, ooh, barbecue, man. And he says, yeah, but does it edify? Does it edify somebody else? It's lawful, but is it helpful? It's lawful, but does it build up somebody else? And so he's saying one of the ways to show forth God's glory, the glory of God, is to be more concerned about others than you are of yourself. Sounds like dying to, dying to flesh a little bit. Verse 24 reiterates that in a different way. It says, let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. John MacArthur says it this way, others above self, simple. Others above self, which doesn't go real well in today's culture. Do it my way, get out of my way. I'm important, you need to hear me. You know, others above self. Saw a fun video. Sadly, it was by a, Republican, he got stopped by the cops. He was speeding, going quite fast. And the cop came up to the car, and the guy says, Do you know who I am? He thought because he was a, an assemblyman, kind of a big wig in the city, he'd get off. I think it would have been a great answer going, No, but you're in trouble if you don't know who you are. Do you know who I am? Me. How about, man, who are you? You're amazing. Others above self. Matthew 16 says, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Whoever wants to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. In Romans 15, it says, each of us should please his neighbor for his good to build him up. Others over self. Not worrying about us, but worrying about others. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Can I eat this meat sacrifice to an eye? We've been going over three weeks. Yeah, you can. There's absolutely nothing wrong with it. It's meat. God made the meat. It's good. Poor all the vegetarians, you know. The meat's good. But not if it hurts somebody. Not if it's not edifying. And liberty instead of legalism. We have liberty and we shouldn't walk in legalism. It's interesting that in this, this whole time, Paul is talking about don't do it for, you know, to hurt anyone else. But he's also kind of saying, but listen, you guys, you need to grow up a little bit. The meat's actually okay. We don't, we don't want to get lost just in the part of, well, don't eat it because they stumble, and don't eat it because they stumble. He, the other message to those who are, who are like going, I don't think you should do that, is, you know what, let's learn a little bit. Let's, get, let's grow in the Lord and realize that it's okay. There are some things that God created for us that are just okay. They are amoral, not immoral, not moral. They're just, it's not even a moral thing. 
Let's learn how to walk in liberty instead of legalism, pointing out everybody else's problems and mistakes. But let's, let's work at growing a little bit ourselves. We, we see that as, as in starting in verse 20. He's talking about doing it for conscience sake in verse 28. If someone says to you, this has been offered in sacrifice, he says, don't eat it for the sake of the one who informed you for the sake of conscience. Like basically they're, they're kind of saying, hey, here's some meat, but you know, it was sacrificed to an, to an idol. Well, obviously if they told you there's, they must have this issue, they might have an issue about it. And, and they're kind of maybe even wondering what you're going to do about it. And so, and he goes on, he says, listen, I'm not talking about your conscience. I'm talking about his conscience. Why should my liberty be determined by someone else's conscience? I'm free. I don't want that to happen. In other words, you know, we need to grow up. Some of these people do need to grow up. If I partake with thankfulness, why am I denounced because of that for which I give thanks? You are not bad because you eat meat. But he says, honor others above yourself. So whatever you eat or drink, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. And that's it. That's what... We need to live our life. And I want to tell you that you can do everything, just about everything, to the glory of God. Remember Brother Lawrence, the, the monk, he, he tried to do everything to just please the Lord. And the picture is even in the kitchen, cutting tomatoes. Oh, Lord, I hope you're glorified in this tomato. I'm, I'm working to you, God. You know, when you do something that God created you to do and God gifted you to do, you show forth His glory unless you steal the glory back. You can do anything you do and, and, and show God's glory in your heart and in your mind and your actions. You can love somebody in the name of Jesus and go, Lord, I hope that you are being, your glory is being revealed through me as I love this person. I really believe it's inviting God into every moment and saying, Lord, can this bring you glory somehow? I want to I wanna bring you glory in my, in my actions. Winning people, being example to others. As we say here at the Journey Church, helping everyone I come in contact to grow one step closer to Jesus. That's bringing Him glory. So we don't want to be those who help them get one step further away from Jesus and be that one, oh yeah, another hypocrite, another liar, another cheat. Live a life of example. And this is where I believe that, that chapter 11, verse 1 really belongs in this section. As he finishes this whole section up, he says in, in the last verse of 10, Just as I try to please everyone in everything I do, not seeking my own advantage, but that of many, that they may be saved, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. The word imitate there, some of your versions say followers. Imitator is actually better because the word in the Greek is that it's, uh, I think it's mimeteo. Sounds like mimic. Mimic, mimic Jesus. He's our example. He's the glorious one. And there's a lot of power in example. 
in everything you do. Let's make that our goal. Lord, everything I do, I don't want to just give you glory, give you praise, give you worship, show who you are on Sunday at church. Help me to do it in my home, with my kids, with my spouse, at my workplace, everywhere I go. Everywhere I go, help me to show your glory. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for revealing your glory to us in nature, in creation. Lord, we thank you that you reveal your glory in every human being because we were each made in the image of God, that we are your image bearers to this world. God, and that as sons and daughters of God, those who've received the gift that you offered, the sacrifice of Christ, Lord, we also have been made alive and new and that your glory is in us and through us because of your love, your mercy, your grace, your sacrifice, that we walk in freedom, that we walk in victory. Help us to show forth the glory of God through our lives. Help us to invite you into every part, every part of our, our life. Help us to realize that in everything that we do, we can do it in the name of Jesus and to show forth your glory. Thank you, God, for your love. In Jesus' name, amen.